Okay, we're getting hey. into some serious science camp here. This is exciting. Yeah, I'll talk a lot about counseling too. Yep, changing the, the saints so they can become more like Christ. And yeah, becoming um, salt of the earth and, and lights unto men, so yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, welcome, before we get into our discussion, should we follow up on what yeah, we read? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So today we're studying Doctrine and Covenants, sections 102 to 105. We're looking at how the High Council is established in order to settle important disputes and difficulties within the church. We're also going to talk about the process that the Lord put into place to make sure every individual is heard. We'll see that following the persecution in Missouri, the Lord offers counsel to the saints and encourages them to become saviors of men. We're also going to see that after much tribulation comes the blessings and also the importance of knowing that angels are ahead of us and on our sides. So we're gonna focus our discussion on two specific things today. The first is the Lord's pattern of counsels and then what it means to be saints in the world. So in order to help us to dive deeper into these sections and understand these topics better, we have invited our good friend, CJ Madsen. CJ, would you come join us? Yes, of course. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to this. All right, we're looking forward to having you. Well, thank you. <laughs> So CJ, you are a graduate student in, uh, and you're studying choral conducting at yeah. Brigham Young University. You've also written and arranged various pieces of music uh, intended to help people come into Christ. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your past projects? Yeah, um, probably the two biggest ones. Um, I wrote a work for choir and orchestra called One Fold, One Shepherd. I performed it on a study abroad in Vienna, which was a miracle in and of itself, and I've done it several times here. Now I'm working on an opera based on the story of Nephi and the Brass Plates called He Shall Prepare a Way. It was, it was a good title. It helps motivate me to yeah. keep pushing forward on it. <laughs> He'll prepare a way, right? We've yeah. been there. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's super interesting because I haven't looked that much at the way in which the Book of Mormon is deployed musically. I can send yeah. you some yeah. sources and I've, I've done a lot of study on that, so I can help you out with Excellent. that. Excellent. <laughs> so before we get into our discussion, I know you've read these sections. Was there anything that you found especially significant or meaningful as you were going through them? Yeah, I think just a big scripture that has helped me get through life, Doctrine and Covenants 103, when the Lord is sending out Joseph Smith and these wonderful brothers and sisters to Zion's camp, at the end he says, all victory and glory is brought to pass unto you through your diligence, faithfulness, and prayers of faith. Mm -hmm. And I, I just know how true that has been for my life, that the Lord prepares so many things as long as we're diligent and faithful and have that prayer of faith in our hearts. And I really like that verse too, because it's not all things are gonna be brought to pass because of how great you are and how great your <laughs> skills are. It's like, as long as you work hard and have faith in me, things will work out. Can you be this way? And can you yeah. pray with that faith in Christ? Sometimes we think by saying that the Lord is going to prepare a way for things to happen, it means our end progress or our end goal is going to be accomplished. Yeah. But just because the Lord says he's going to prepare a way doesn't mean he's going to prepare the way that we think he's going to prepare. Excellent. Uh, so maybe we can just jump right into it and talk first about the Lord's pattern of counsels. Yeah, so we specifically see the Lord's pattern here in section 102 of the Doctrine and Covenants. This section is very different than many of the revelations we've received uh, in the Doctrine and Covenants. This section is actually the minutes of the first high council meeting. So rather than the Lord saying, this is the way it's going to be, this is the Lord basically saying stamp of approval. I love the historical context. The very first hearing per se of, of this group was actually between this man Ezra Thayer and Curtis Hodges. And Ezra Thayer accused Curtis Hodges of speaking too loud they actually say that he yelled so much that he, that he lost his voice in the process. And so the first case is not about some bigger thing that we would think of. It was just he was being obnoxious and somebody's got to stop him and this is not appropriate in the church. <laughs> you know, the church has come a long way from that as well. And we've, we learned to counsel about things rather than putting somebody in that kind of situation. 
So it's fun to historically just to kind of see what's going on here. And it was interesting that they gave this guy, Charles Hodges, a chance to speak his mind. And he said, basically, I had no idea what I was doing, and, and I'm going to do a lot better now. And it set a great tone for the rest of church history. For us. They followed through exactly what they were supposed to do here. So you're, you're right. It's kind of a fun thing to see this. So in this section specifically, we're going to see how this high council is, is being set up and organized. And we're going to see how much the Lord cares about an individual. We're going to see the importance of agency. We're going to see the importance of paying attention, being good judges of people of the Lord as the judge, but also just the importance of caring and loving and thoughtfulness, especially in regards to counseling. And this is part of the line upon line process of the Lord organizing his church on the earth. Mm-hmm. Do you ever counsel with people as you're creating music? I, I mean, I have no idea. Do you, is it, is it you and, and your mind or do you talk to people or what's yes. that? So my, my wife is the official CJ composing helper. She just has this gift for it. One Full One Shepherd, this work I wrote, the first version, I had this great concluding number, I thought, based on the last chapter of Third Nephi, weird time signatures, sounded epic. I take it to my wife and she said, it sounds like a 1970s exercise dance video. So you should probably change it. And I was like, Ugh. and of course I, I huffed and was like, no, no. And now I look back on it five years later and like, yeah, I'm really glad I changed that. So there's a much better ending now. But it's just, it's a great example that me as a composer, like I know I have to go off other people. My mom's another great mentor. She taught me piano and, and she'll tell me. If it doesn't sound good, she'll tell me. And if it sounds great, she'll tell me and we move forward like that. It's been really helpful. That's awesome. Yeah, and in fact, Joseph, I mean, the, the church had become too big and too complex for him. I mean, he'd been the one that's making all these decisions for so long. And so he's actually prayed to the Lord and said, what was in a sense the ancient way of counseling? Yeah. And so the Lord is saying, I did it before, we're doing it again. This is the pattern of the Lord mm-hmm. for then and for today regarding counseling. Yeah. Amber, please. So I just found it very interesting that it talks about how the counselors who draw even numbers are the individuals who are to stand up in behalf of the accused and to prevent insult and injustice. And also it mentions how the accuser and the accused shall have a privilege of speaking for themselves. And I think that's a little bit unique in that it makes sure that rather than individuals guessing which side is right, they're assigned to like listen and understand when you discuss sides that you may not initially agree with, it gives you the opportunity to ask questions or think about it in a way that opens discussion or opens your eyes a little bit more. Yeah, thank you. Cultivating that empathy tends to facilitate mercy, right? Absolutely. So over the past several years, the church has really emphasized the importance of counseling and valuing and considering other people's perspectives, right, Uh, when making decisions. And I'm wondering, what might be some of the advantages of focusing on counseling with one another? I just think of stories from my life. I've, I've been in ward councils. I've been in family councils. I, I'm married and have three small kids. On a ward level, I've seen that when you go into a ward council expecting that you don't have the whole piece of the puzzle, then everyone has to bring a piece. Mm-hmm. Everything works out so much better. And in my family, yesterday, my family went to church and my four-year-old and I raced ahead to go find a seat. And our normal seat was taken, and my daughter was excited because I said, oh, you can go find a spot for us to sit. Well, unbeknownst to us, my wife picked out a spot, and long story short, my four-year-old went crying into the foyer, I wanted to find a spot. And I sat there trying to figure out, like, what to do. Like, okay, you need to come back in. Like, how do I do this? And I remember praying, and I had the feeling, you just got to listen to her. Mm -hmm. And talking to her, it took like 30 minutes of the sacrament, but finally we were able to work out a solution. A few treats helped. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But counseling isn't just for the wards. Mm -hmm. In a family, even our little two and four-year-olds can contribute something. Excellent. That's great. Thanks. I think that that idea of listening and listening carefully is extremely important. Heavenly Father allows us all to have a place of importance. It's unique that Joseph Smith couldn't do everything, as you clearly pointed out. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the arrangement of the church, whether it be Relief Society, High Council, each and every one of us in our service is important, however big or small that, that may be. One of the things that came to my mind is that there's danger in relying too much on your own wisdom. I could pray to know how to be a better husband and father and I can get some valuable information, but I could also ask my wife and children what I can do better for them. I think the work of the Lord is not just to discern his will and to do it, but to learn from one another and build relationships. And I think that's what counseling does, really creating and edifying the body of Christ. In counseling, what are some things that we could be learning from you and from experiences that you've had? As we speak about councils, what comes to mind is how we were all present in the pre-existence and how we all made decisions, that we all were part of that process. There was a council that we met to create the world when there was a choice. Do you choose to go with Jesus Christ or with Lucifer? And they, this was a council. I have a strong testimony that we sat in councils that were very, very important. And I think we are just duplicating that process on the earth today. And you know, Suzette, we are responsible for sharing. As President Nelson has asked the women, speak up and speak out. We need each other. And it would be the same thing with any type of minority, not just because we want to be heard, but because we're trying to make the right decision, not just the decision of, of the majority, right? In high councils, you learn insights. Sometimes we think that we know it all. We, we have the exact answer for everything. And when you are able to set and listen to others' experiences and opinions and things that they go through, a whole new things come into your head. One of the important things is that we learn to turn people toward Christ. Yeah. You know, it's not about beating people up or punishing them, but it's learning to let them progress. You know, this whole section is beautiful in that regard, and it shows Heavenly Father really cares for us. Beautiful, thank you. Even in the highest councils of the church, we have a prophet who has said the phrase a number of times, information inspires inspiration. As a, the prophet, he is trying to gather information. So not, not just in these councils, these, these perhaps court councils, but in life, he's trying to understand more and get different perspectives on yeah. things. Now, CJ, any other thoughts on, on counseling based on your life experience? In my field of music, literally every voice matters. I write music for orchestra sometimes, and Every instrument has a part to play, and the sound is different from each instrument. Their range is different, but they all play an important function. Everybody is important if you want to make the greatest symphony possible. Yeah, Paul? When I think of councils, the thing that comes to mind for me is people and how God's work and glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of men and women. And to me, councils are the most effective way to focus on people. Every person can be heard, and we can find the revelation from the Lord of how to serve people. So this has been a, a great discussion on the Lord's pattern of counsels. Now maybe we can transition and talk about being a saint in the world. We're 
at Zion's camp now. It's so fun to be here. Fun for us. I'm sure it wasn't yeah, very, for very fun for them. <laughs> I had to be careful with how I say this. But I just love the topic of Zion's camp, and I love how the Lord was really preparing his saints for even more. We really look at this in historical context. Parley P. Pratt and Lyman White, they left Missouri. They go to Kirtland, Ohio to tell the prophet what's going on and the struggles that they've been having, the members of the church, both internal and external. The prophet then receives this revelation from the Lord that he is supposed to gather some people together and then go to Missouri where these saints are and help them free themselves from this turmoil that's going on there. So we see this first of all in section 103 and then section 105 is actually the revelation to those members in Zion's camp through the prophet Joseph Smith. The Lord actually says the time is not now for us to continue to fight this battle. And this comes after a number of miracles that were happening, a number of difficulties. We have members of the church who are really struggling and trying to make this work. We have cholera that happens and we have these battles that are going on. But we really see that the Lord is molding his people. And the Lord is trying to help them become saints. And he has a responsibility that's in store for them. But they have some things that they need to learn in this process. In verse 6, where it says, And my people must needs be chastened. And when I first heard chastened and read that, and I think of being chastised, what that connotes, you know, that you're in trouble. But when you really think about what the Lord was saying here, this was a process of being refined. And this opportunity to learn was, again, a manifestation of the Lord's love. Here's another opportunity to learn my will, to, to progress in being obedient. Excellent. Thank you for that. There's actually a graphic here that talks about some of those things that the Lord was trying to help these people to learn. This is section 105 in verse 3 and verse 6. The saints needed to learn obedience. They needed to be more united. They needed to be taught more perfectly from the Lord. They needed experience. They needed to understand their duty. They needed to be endowed with power, and they also needed to be sanctified. What other things was the Lord teaching his saints that were in Zion's camp? Paul, please. One of my favorite scriptures on trials is at the end of the Doctrine and Covenants, DNC 136, where he says, my people must be tried in all things that they may be prepared to receive the glory that I have for them, even the glory of Zion. One of my favorite ones that's not on that list is to take care of the poor. That's what Zion is described as um, with the city of Enoch, right? That, they, that they're of one heart and one mind, they're united, they dwell in righteousness, they're obedient, and there's no poor among them. Really here, he's trying to help us be ready for Zion. Says, here's, you, you're not, by definition, you're not being Zion-like yet, and so let's refine you so you can receive the glory of Zion. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Maria. Hace algunos años, pasé por una prueba muy difícil, y la bendición de después de haber pasado esa prueba fue que me trajo cerca a mi Padre Celestial, a Jesucristo. Entonces, cuando estaba pasando la prueba, yo dije, ¿qué tengo que hacer para, para pasar esta prueba con fortaleza? Y entonces empecé a hacer lo que no venía haciendo antes de mi prueba. Entonces, empecé a leer las Escrituras cada día, empecé a orar más fervientemente, a veces dejaba pasar la noche de hogar con mi familia, entonces empecé a hacer la noche de hogar con mi familia, Y agradezco de esa prueba, de esa tribulación tan fuerte que tuvimos en mi familia, porque me dieron mucha fortaleza y me trajeron cerca a mi Padre Celestial y Jesucristo. Me quedó esa gran enseñanza y ahora no la quiero soltar. O sea, quiero mantenerme así. Van a seguir viniendo momentos difíciles a mi vida, pero ya sé cuál es la clave. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Excellent. These experiences cause us to get into the scriptures. They cause us to have these family prayer. They, they cause us to do these things if, we, if, we are, if we're willing to, to change our lives in connection with the Lord. It's a beautiful statement. Uh, Wilfred Woodruff said the following, when members of the Zion's camp were called, many of us had never beheld each other's faces. We were strangers to each other and many had never seen a prophet. We had been scattered abroad. We were young men. God accepted our works as he did the works of Abraham. And then he says this, we accomplished a great deal, though apostates and unbelievers many times ask the question, what have you done? And then he says, we gained an experience that we never could have gained in any other way. We had the privilege of beholding the face of the prophet. We had the privilege of traveling a thousand miles with him and seeing the workings of the spirit of God. Had I not gone up with Zion's camp, I should not be here today. And this is Wilford Woodruff, the prophet. He says, I presume that would have been the case with many others in this territory. I mean, that's pretty strong and it's similar to what you're saying as well. Yeah, and the fact that you ask God in those times of trial, like, what do I need to get out of it? I think that's the key there too. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So I think we have a video from a viewer at home. We had a question regarding our discussion. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Daniel. We are the Crawfords from Holiday, Utah. Our question is, much like the members of Zion's camp were tested and sifted, how do you think members of the church are being tested and sifted in our day? Yeah, thank you. Any thoughts on that, CJ? Yeah, when I was starting school, I had a lot of crazy promptings come. The first one, I think, was to get married. It was crazy, I guess, the timing, I guess is yeah. a better way to put it. Um, and then I was a sophomore going to BYU, and we'd just gotten married, and I had this prompting to go on this study abroad to Vienna. And I thought well, how could I like make this a more fulfilling learning experience? And I had this prompting, like, write this work for choir based on the Book of Mormon. I'm about to start writing it, and we find out that my wife is expecting our first child, and she's due six days before the study abroad is set to come back. Wow. We prayed about it, and the feeling was, go. Long story short, I missed my child's birth by five hours. I was on the plane coming home when she was born. So I think about this great question from the Crawfords. When the Lord tells you to do something, are you going to do it? The key where he changes all their plans is he says, expedient in me that mine elders should wait for a season. And I actually studied expedient recently, and it, it just means essentially what's important right now. You learn what's most important. You learn that Jesus Christ and your family and doing his will are the most important things. It's beautiful. Thank you. Elder Hales has a great quote that kind of fits what you're saying here. He says, the promised Zion always seems a little beyond our reach. We need to understand that as much virtue can be gained in progressing towards Zion as in dwelling there. It is a process as well as a destination. Many are perfected upon the road to Zion who will never see the city in mortality. So how are you seeing this in our day? I went through my own trials in the last few years. And when I learned to humble myself and have faith, I found out that there was a far greater blessing than I even ever realized. And I think maybe that's a big lesson that uh, Heavenly Father is trying to teach us as saints through this period. Don't just huddle down in your home, reach out, use the social media, the things that I've given you to reach out and affect the lives of others and keep them united. When I was reading about this story, I relate to them. So in my country, in Guatemala, we have civil war almost all my life. <laughs> It was um, difficult, but at the same time, it was a learning experience for me. I learned to be resilient, have to appreciate my family because we lost friends and relatives and you start loving, caring for them every single day because you don't know 
if they're coming back. So you, you appreciate your parents, your, your brother, your sister, your friends. That, for me, it was a beautiful learning experience because it put my priorities in order in life. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. So on the subject of uh, being saints in the world, um, we have a, another video from a viewer at home who had a question. Hi, we're the Rutledges from Rochester, Minnesota. So we want to be loving and accepting to people around us, but many things that they do or say detract from the Spirit. How do we balance shining our light and being kind without putting ourselves in situations that drive away the Spirit? So that's a great question. And as they were asking that, one of the things that came to my mind is, if you think about Christ, he was associating with publicans and sinners, the most marginalized of society at that time. I think more often than not, when I don't have the Spirit, it's because of something I've done. There's value in trying to be not only careful about with whom we associate, but also being introspective about perhaps, are we being judgmental about other people? Is that the thing driving away the Spirit? Or is there something in my conduct that I need to do better? And there's a difference between, between the Spirit warning you about a situation yeah. versus putting yourself in a situation and mm -hmm. having somebody else not have the Spirit with them. Yeah, right? absolutely. My wife is a convert to the church, and so most of her family are not members of the church. I focus the most on, am I being a friend to them and am I loving them? I think this, this idea of focusing on them as people as opposed to maybe reducing them to one thing they're doing that you don't agree with or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't discriminate or put them in a box for what their failing is. Well, because yeah. if we did that for everybody, I, I've got quite a few yeah. you could <laughs> exactly. label me for. You know? And just speaking personally too, like I'm, I'm so keenly aware of my own sins and imperfections and I'm kind of uncomfortable sometimes like seeing myself as a light to others or a savior to others or um, you know the salt of the earth because I have I have a lot of my own stuff going on. Yeah I have a wonderful friend who was in a carpool with members of the church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints and she was not a member. My friend received a phone call from others in the carpool and she was told although we really love you and we appreciate you we actually aren't comfortable having you in our carpool anymore. Because you aren't a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we're concerned that you might drink or you, we're concerned that you might follow the laws uh, not quite as carefully as we are. And so therefore, we're just going to ask you to find a different carpool. Probably couldn't have done much worse for an individual who needed their salt and their light. Sometimes we, we separate ourselves so much and we try to be a light to others that we forget that light is helpful when it's in the midst of people. Right? There has to be a way for us to see ourselves as saints, but also to not... Uh, let the dangers of pride and a sense of superiority um, infect our relationships with others. When I was on my mission in Spain, I remember asking my mission president, what can I do to serve you better? And I knew in my heart I was saying it pridefully. I felt like I had it together. <laughs> and I remember he looked at me and he said, Hermana Vaca, you need to humble yourself. And I'm not kidding, I think I almost fell on the floor. And so I came out of that feeling very humbled. And that cute little sweet district leader that we had, I told him what happened and he goes, I have a talk for you to read. And it was the famous talk, it's a classic from President Benson. This talk says the greatest sin of the earth is pride. Excellent, thank you for that. CJ, any additional thoughts? I had an experience uh, recently that made me think of science camp. A friend of mine and myself were the directors of a community choir. We were performing a program celebrating the, the restoration of the gospel. You know, circumstances happened and we had to cancel two days before our first performance. 
And I remember my co-director calling me and saying, we, we've got to cancel. And I, I was so mad. He's my best friend. I just hung up. I was like, we can't do this. Like, we, f- we feel so inspired. We had so many miracles with this. Why? That night praying, I, I just said, Heavenly Father, I'm really sorrowful right now. And I got this glimpse of how, how Heavenly Father feels when there's wickedness in the world. Just like Zion's camp, we'd been taken on this journey. Zion's camp people, they, they thought they were going for a certain purpose, and it got cut short, according to them. But the Lord had bigger ideas. And I've realized that the growth that we experience as a choir, as musicians, in our testimonies, far outweigh the setback that we felt at the time. And so I'm so grateful to the Lord for that experience, reminding me that what is important is that we put our trust and our faith in Him. It's beautiful. Thanks for that. So this has been an excellent discussion on being saints in the world, and thank you so much for your comments and insights. Thank you, CJ. Thanks for your experiences, your comments. We we really can't wait to hear you more in the future with choirs and your abilities. Thank you so much. And we'd like to thank you also in the audience. Thank you for your wonderful comments. Thanks for sharing those things that are important to you. And to those of you at home, thank you for sending us your comments and questions and insights via social media. We'd love to have you come join us sometime in the studio, but if you can't, we hope you'll tune in next week for Come Follow Up. Thanks. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.